Let's pray together. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us today of who you are and God and how faithful you have been and how fit not just only how faithful you will be not just for the future but how faithful you have been in our past lord we take a moment right now to reflect to reflect upon your goodness to taste and see that the lord that not only that you are good right now in this moment not only will you be good in the future but lord how good you have been to us and how faithful you have been to us oh lord Blessed are the ones who takes refuge in him. And Lord, we are the ones. We are your people. We are the remnants of your chosen people. God, that you have called since the day of our birth from before we were even born. God, you have chosen us. So God, we take our refuge in you this morning. Lord, I pray, God, now as you transition, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of, all of our hearts for those who are listening, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For God, you are our rock and our redeemer, O oh Lord. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Uh, let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbors at the moment. And let's get into our message today. You guys are allowed to talk and say, hello, how are you? Make some noises. Not... This isn't mime. I know you, we haven't gone on missions in a while. You miss, right, doing mime. But let's go ahead. Let's take a moment to greet one another with words and with smiles. <laughs> All right, let's begin. We are continuing on with our Authentic Christian Christianity series. And the title of today's message is When Pride comes when pride comes do you guys remember what last week's message was yes when anger comes today is when pride comes amen and now we're at the story of the reign the kingship reign of Saul I'm very excited for this series because it's gonna be a lot of excitement a lot of fun a lot of information I can't wait for us to get to David eventually, and also another character that I am very fond of in the Bible is going to be introduced for the first time here today, and his name is Jonathan, the son of Saul, the son of Saul. So let's get into our main reading. The scripture is right here up on the screen. Chapter 13, again, the title is called When Pride 
comes. Starting in verse 1, the title says, Samuel rebukes Saul. Verse 1, Saul was 30 years old when he became king. And he reigned over Israel 42 years. It's a reminder that our reign on earth will come to an end. No human leader will li live and last. Their throne will not last forever. 42 years. Verse 2, Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan and at Gibeah in Benjamin. So the rest of the men he sent back to their homes. So this, this number here is important because you'll see in verse 3, Jonathan is the one that wins the battle. So Saul has 3,000 men. He takes 2,000 men with him, and he gives 1,000 to his son, Jonathan. So it's like when we're eating, we're having donuts, like we're having food. It's like a Simpson thing. Homer is like, it's like you know, uh, so uh, one for you, two for me. You know, one for you, three for me, right? He's taking all the men. He's taking all the people for him. But if he was a selfless leader, would he not give his men to fight to support his son, Jonathan? I mean, that is his physical, his biological son. So chose 3,000 men from Israel, 2,000 were with him at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeah and Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Verse 3, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Gibeah. Again, first time we're introduced to this new character. The friendship between Jonathan and David is going to be very important for later. Because that's going to be one of, the, one of the sermons as well that's going to be added. But Jonathan is a friend that is closer than a brother. It says in Proverbs 18.24, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jonathan would be that friend for David later on. And all of us, we need that one friend that sticks closer than a brother, that sticks closer than a sister. And the Philistine heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. Wait, what? I thought Jonathan was the one that fought and won this battle. But Saul is taking credit for this battle. What is going on here? And the people were summoned to join Saul at Galgo. Verse 5, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as a sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Big Mash, east of Beth Evan, when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid. This reminds me of the story in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 22. When Saul was called as king, what did he do? He hid himself in the barricade. He hid himself in the shed. They were afraid in caves and thickets, among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Verse 7, some Hebrews even crossed. They awol. They deserted their post. They left the army, the Jordan, to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with them were quaking with fear. Everybody's afraid. Philistine has tremendous soldiers. It says that soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. 
It's like the movie 300. The army is many, too many, and we are few, only 300. How can they ever win this battle? Verse 8, he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. Everybody's running away. They don't know what to do. Don't with leadership. Ah, oh, they're freaking out, running away. So he said, bring me the burnt offering. Wait, he's a priest now? I thought he was just a king. Bring me the burnt offering and fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, I mean, look at the timing. Samuel arrived. Right when he finished, Samuel arrives. And Saul went out to greet him. And what's important, the context here is Saul, in his humility, he had to wait for a priestly assistance. He could not bring on a burnt offering on his own. He could not do the sacrifice on his own, for he is not a priest. But he was pressured. He didn't trust God's timing. He didn't trust that Samuel would come at the right time. He went ahead and he offered the burnt offering. This shows that Saul, he wanted absolute power. And pride grew in his heart. You could see right here from the beginning that pride started to creep in into his heart. Verse 11, Samuel confronts him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Same question that God asked us. Where are you, Adam? Why are you angry when God asked Cain? Why are, you, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And when God asks us a question, we must never make excuses. Saul replied, and it's all excuses. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the sad time and that the Philistines were assembling at Mikmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt, again, felt, your feelings are your enemies. Let me just make that clear. In your Christian faith, your feelings and your emotions are your enemy. Yes, they support, and yes, it could be used in a good way, but you must never trust your feelings and your emotions. We must not walk by sight, but walk by faith. Amen? It is about what we know in our heart. This is the big problem of our generation today. We are so focused on our feelings. Oh, God, I don't feel like I want to go to church today. I don't feel like you love me today. And we follow our emotions, and therefore we go into this dark hole, in this dark cave to the point where we are lost forever. So he says, so I felt, I felt, not facts and truths, but I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Everything was based on what he felt and what he saw. This wasn't faith. He was walking in sight, living in fear that people may not like me. People may leave me. And remember, people were scattering. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's running away. But what Saul, in his leadership, what he had to do was remain calm and just focus on the mission. Have you ever had a time in your life, in your leadership position, when you were a leader of an event or of a group where something didn't go according to schedule, did you remain calm and know that God would take care of the situation? 
Or did you freak out? Were you pressured by the people or by your students? If you're a teacher, they're, they're pressuring you to do these things. Will you remain steadfast in your vision and trust in God that God will take care even when your enemies are many? Again, excuses and excuses. That's all I hear here when I read this. Verse 13, Samuel is the man, right? He's very blunt. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established a kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. It's talking about David. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal, went up to Gibeah in Benjamin, and Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. I want to talk to you guys today about pride. Using Saul as an example, in the beginning of his kingship, of his journey, at the age of 30, 42 years, he reigned as king of Israel. Pride, I'm doing an acronym here, ANA, A-N-N-A, ANA, it stands for always, never, never, always. So I have four points, starting with always. Pride, always number one. Always begins small. Always begins small. Definition of pride is the life that willfully opposes God. I'll say that again. The life that willfully opposes God. It is anti-God state of mind. It is not depending on God. It is depending on yourself. Definition is a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct, etc. Pride is something that no human being in this world is free from. It doesn't matter how young or how old, pride is within us. We all have it. Confidence, definition of confidence on the other hand, is faith, reliance, and dependence on God. So which one are we standing on today? Pride, a life that willfully opposes God, that does not depend on God, or confidence that is dependent on God, that is reliant on God, that has faith in God. Again, faith, reliance, and dependence. Take a look at verse 3 and 4 of chapter 13. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Giba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all the Israelites heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. Pride, when it is not checked, it grows into an ugly monster. And again, verse 3 and 4 is important because point 2 is connected to point 1. But we see here that Saul takes credit 
for what Jonathan had done. When pride is not checked, it grows into an ugly monster. God warns us every single day as Christian men and women of God to check ourselves, to check our pride. Because it will kill and will destroy not just you, but your relationships. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes what? Comes what? Disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 29.23 says, pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. And we see it all throughout Scripture from the beginning to the end. In Genesis 4-7, right, God tells Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is pride. C.S. Lewis calls pride the great sin. The father the main, the root of all sin, pride. Sin, pride, is crouching at your door. And you must what? Rule over it. Abel's offering was accepted, but Cain's offering was unacceptable. Abel was acceptable, Cain unacceptable. Why? Because Cain decided to follow his own way as Saul did. I can do it. I could bring up the burnt offering. It's okay. I'm the king. It's fine. I'm the king of my life. I do it the way that I want to do it. Cain, in his offering, he brought forth pride, rebellion, and self-righteousness. And he thought it was okay. And as it was so, it shall be in, on page 53. A.C. Gabalin comments, he, he's talking about Cain. Cain did not worship God in an acceptable way. Instead of bringing a sacrifice, he presented the labor of his hands, the fruit of his to toil. He tried to please God by his works, but what he, by what he had done in the cultivation of the ground, he did not remember that the ground was cursed. This is our attitude many times. We come to God, God, here I am. I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm giving everything that I could, right? I work really hard with my hands, right? You'll accept this gift. But in return, God will reject our gift, our offering. Because the attitude and the fruit of our offering look like this. Hey, God, look. You cursed the ground. But I have worked so hard and made something beautiful out of it. It was me. It was me. I did it. That's pride. Me. All about me. My feelings. What I have done. And it comes and it follows in the way of Satan, of Lucifer. Now, Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, many people, I mean, there are different interpretations for this passage. Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. Uh, people may read this passage and they may think, oh, it's Lucifer. It's talking about the angel. That, fallen, that fell from heaven because of his pride, because he wanted to be like God, right? Like human beings, we want to become like God. 
but it could also be talking about Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the king. It says in verse 12, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once lay low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Again, C.S. Lewis states, the pride is the great sin, the complete anti-God state of mind. And I'm taking this reference from the book, Mere Christianity. Christians especially think that they can never, ever carry any pride. And that is a lie. C.S. Lewis mentions that pride is something that no man, woman, no human being in this world is free from. He goes on to say, people may admit that they have bad temper. People may admit that they can't keep their eyes away from girls. People may admit that they drink too much. People have said that they are cowards or they're scared, they're fearful. However, rarely will anyone say that they are prideful. People admit that they are drunks. People admit that they are womanizers. People admit that they are bad temper. But ever hardly will someone say, I am proud. Many have overcome the power of lust, cowardice, ill temper, by own discipline and strength, by pride. Even a supermodel Christian who is a virgin, never had any sexual encounter before marriage, and all that, all that could be done because of pride. God, look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Pride is so sneaky and so scary that even in our good works, there's pride behind it. Many have overcome the power of lust, cowardice, ill-tempered by own discipline and strength, by pride, by your own strength, by your own doing. God, look at these sinners. We're pointing our fingers. Look at these sinners. I'm not like that. And the book, Mere Christianity, says the devil laughs. And he's perfectly, Satan is perfectly content to see you becoming chaste and brave and self-control provided. All the time, he's setting you up, setting up in you the dictatorship of pride. Pride always begins small. It creeps in. Sin is crouching at your door, as it says in Genesis 4, what God told Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. So watch out. Watch your pride. Point number two, remember Anna, the acronym, never, never gives credit. Again, point two, point one, they're all tied together. Um, and what I want to say here is about Saul is that he's always stealing credit uh, from others. 
A person with pride always steals credit from others. It never gives credit where it's due. They love stealing the spotlight. They love stealing the credit. They never acknowledge and give credit where it's due. In acceptance speech or award speeches, uh, too many people are too quick to give credit to people. But rarely do we see individuals giving credit to God, to Jesus Christ. But as Christians, our lives, your lives, it must match your gratitude, right? A lot of times when these people, they come and they give, uh, they say, I want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. That's good. But the question is, are their lives, does it match their gratitude towards God? Our lifestyle, the way we live, our living, it must match the gratitude that we have towards God. It must match it. Does my lifestyle match the gratitude that I have in God? Verse 2 and 4, and we see that Saul, he just loves taking credit. He never gives credit to where it's due. Verse 24, Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel, 2,000 were with him at Big Mash and in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah and Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become noxious to the Philistines. Was he a good father, taking credit of his son's work? Happy Father's Day. Was he a good father? In this case, no. Uh, He took 2,000 men for himself, 1,000 men. Would not a father give 3,000 men, take it all? A good leader, would he not want to protect his leaders, his people? But we see that he didn't correct anything. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost. No, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost. Give credit where it's due. Pride never gives credit. Point number three, pride, again, Anna, never waits. Pride never waits. There's no waiting in pride. It's all about I'm going to make it happen in my own strength. And the key word here is waiting. Waiting is key. Our faith in God, it requires waiting. Wait on God. Wait on Him. Because everyone in the Bible, they had to wait on God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Rahab, Ruth, Naomi, they all had to wait on God. It is a must. It is a must. There's no choice. You have to wait. Now it is my destiny, and I will do what I want. I will make it happen according to my own timing. But God often tests our faith and our obedience to him through delays and waiting. Verse 5 to 9, the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. 
They went up and camped at Mekmash, east of Beth Avon. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and the army was hard pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed. They deserted their posts, the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. So remained at Gilgal, and all the troops were with him. With them were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. This is important. Samuel is the priest. He is the prophet. He is the judge. He said, wait, wait, because it has to do with the things of God. And who is their true king? It is not Samuel. It is God. So he said to wait. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. They did not have the people and the resources to win this battle to get the job done. But instead of being patient and trusting that God is their king, that God will defeat their enemies and will conquer their enemies, will overcome their enemies, he decided to get the job done himself. He was impatient and he made it happen on his own. He did it. Himself. You're showing the people, look, not only am I a king, I can do this also. And then right when he finished, all right, Samuel comes in, what are you doing? Romans 8, 31. We must understand who we are, that we are more than conquerors, that we can always wait on God, and that God will never abandon us. It says in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, what? Who can be against us? Can we read that together? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, ready? One, two, three. If God is for us, who can be against us? What? Who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? Verse 35, verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than what? Conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, Neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As Christians, we must not be in a hurry making things happen in our own strength. Being hard-pressed on every side and therefore compromising. Through Christ as Christians, we must wait for nothing can overcome. Nothing will overcome our relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, going back to our point, pride never waits. 
pride never waits, but instead it always bends and compromises to others' influences. Quickly, uh, four sub-points. Letter A, uh, makes excuses. Makes ex- excuses. Uh, letter B, uh, blames others. Blames others. Letter C, swayed by others. For us, when we are peer pressure and hard pressed by others, your character is being tested and it's being revealed. When you're being hard-pressed and peer-pressed by others, you must stand tall and not must be swayed by others, but stand strong in God. Again, adversity doesn't just build your character, but it reveals it. When it reveals it, where are you standing? Are you standing strong in God or are you being swayed by others? Letter D, relies on rituals made by others. That was Saul's problem. He thought that it was about the ritual. He thought it was about the sacraments. He thought it was about the burnt offering. There's nothing wrong, really, what Saul did with the burnt offering. But it's what he did with it. It's how he went about it. He was using God as a magical genie to win this battle, to face these soldiers, the Philistine soldiers, these enemies, the numbers as numerous as the sand and the seashore, it says. Our God is not a magical genie a crop or a tool we can use to manipulate and control. Do you understand how dare we, the pride behind that, for us to think that we can control God, that he'll do according to what my prayer says? Saul thought he can control the outcome of the battle by relying on the ritual. But he was dead wrong. The arrogance behind it. Samuel said, wait seven days. He had to wait seven days. Even if he had to wait longer, he had to wait. Because God is never late. He is never late. And he is always on time. He is punctual. Never sell away faith for rituals. Never sell away faith for sacraments. Be careful of these rituals that we do in churches, I'm not saying they're bad, but that is not what saves you. It is our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, He would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. The key here is you have not kept the command. You have not kept the command. And it was because of his pride. And you'll see later, you know, Saul, he continues doing this. You understand? This is his character. This is who he is. And you'll see later when we get to 1 Samuel 15, You know, Samuel is going to say this. He's going to say, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. We must keep the commands. You must obey his words. That is better than the sacrifice that we offer to God. Again, what was point number three? Pride never 
waits. It never waits. It is always in a rush, in a hurry. Four, last point. Again, the acronym ANA is what? Always, always destroys, always destroys. Pride always destroys. Not sometimes, but always. Amen. I hope you know what you're saying amen to. <laughs> um, this is something that we all should reflect and be very wary of. It's something that we really need. Uh, we need to do a deep reflection of our lives. Uh, every single day, pride. Uh, but you must remember the end result of pride is death, destruction. Proverbs 16, verse 18 CSB version, it says, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Take a moment to understand what that proverb is saying. Pride comes before destruction. Right before. Right before destruction, pride is right there. Right before the fall, the arrogant spirit is right there with you. Sin is crouching at your door, Genesis 4. Sin is crouching at your door. Proverbs 18, 12, ESV says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. Haughty means proud. It's proud. Before destruction, a man's heart is proud. But humility comes before honor. You want honor? One needs to come before honor, humility. There is no pride and honor together. There's destruction. Humility must come first, and then there's honor. Honor, honor, and honor. Verse 11 and 15. What have you done, asked Samuel? What have you done? Closing with this, the question, what have you done? Verse 11 to 15, what have you done? Asked Samuel. It's the same question. Where are you, Adam? God has been asking the same question to us since the beginning and to the end. All throughout the Bible, God is asking us this question. Where are you? What have you done? Why are you angry? Do you not realize that sin is crouching at your door? Why is your face downcast? May our answer not mimic anything close to what Saul did here in this story. Saul was full, full, full of himself. It's crazy to the point where Christians, how can we live in pride any longer when we see the end result and the destruction of pride? Take a look at how Saul, he replies. When I saw that the man was scattering and that you, he's casting his blame on Samuel, you did not come on the, on the time that you said at the set time. And the Philistines were assembling at 
Nogmash. I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Come down on me. I have not sought the Lord's favor. It falls on me. It's my responsibility. I felt it's all about me and myself and my emotions. Sometimes you think that you're humble and you say, "Oh, it's because of me. I feel this way. It's because of me." And we make it about ourselves, and that's pride in itself. Because when it comes to a team, it's not just about you and your failures. It's about the team. It's about others. It's about humility. Get beyond your own head. Go outside above, of outside of your emotions. What Satan is telling you? What Satan is whispering to you? I can't forgive myself. I know that maybe God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. That's pride. How dare we think that God cannot forgive me? Just because I can't forgive myself. My feeling of how I feel about myself is greater than the cross. The one who died and shed his blood for me. May we not make excuses by feelings and emotions. I felt excuses, blaming others. You made me do it. It's because you are late. In verse 13, this is what Samuel says to him, and this is what God will say to us on Judgment Day. You have done a foolish thing, you foolish individual. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. God was willing to bless Saul so that his kingship will reign; it will continue on for all time. But, but now. Now, because of your pride, because of your arrogance and your rebellion, Saul. But now, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after His own heart. This is like the credit scene where, like, at the end of Avengers, like, whoa, who's gonna be that person? Like a, they show like a like an image of like the shoulder. It's like people are guessing all over YouTube. Oh, I think it's this character. I think it's Thanos. I think it's this. Oh, it could be dark side. It's like dark side. That's DC. What are you talking about? <laughs> But already, God had in mind of David, and it's a beautiful story because you'll see. And when we get introduced with David, we know it because we read the Bible. We know the story. But David was a special young man. He was a special man, not perfect, but a man after God's. May we mimic the heart of David and know the heart of God, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Are we obeying God, or are we obeying the words of people? The Lord has set out a man after His own heart and appointed him ruler of His people, and you'll see. David, when he's introduced, he's not. Oh, where are the donkeys? I don't know where I am. What? Samuel, you know where Samuel is? Samuel's right there. Who's Samuel? <laughs> David. On 
underappreciated, underrecognized, humble young man. When Samuel comes to appoint the king, all the brothers are standing. It says David was not even in the picture. But David, the Bible tells us he was in the field, shepherding the sheep. He was not even important. People didn't even recognize him. Just like Christ, Isaiah 51. No one recognized the Messiah. No one recognized who he was. May we not make excuses. May we not live in pride. May we humble ourselves today and seek him before it's too late. May we keep the command and obey the words of our Lord. Can we close our eyes together? the praise team to come up. Let us all continue on in the atmosphere of prayer and submission to our Lord Jesus Christ to not be sidetracked and distracted by the worries of this life. But may we right now humble ourselves and seek after our Lord. Jesus Christ in this moment. So right now, all together, in the whispers of your heart, if you feel led in your heart to pray and to seek after the living God, if you feel led to repent and to ask God to come and rescue you and to save you and to forgive you of all your sins and all your rebellious ways, go ahead and do so. This is a time between you and God. It's not about your neighbors and your friends. It's about you and your relationship with the Father. When God asks us the question, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? When sin is crouching at the door, you must master it. You must conquer after it. May we not come with a response, with an excuse, with reasonings, but may we humble ourselves and say, God, I am here, Lord. I have no excuses. Here I am. Save me. Rescue me. I need you right now at this moment. Let us pray together.
Father, may we, we, may we be like David, like Psalm 51, humbling himself with humility. God, to give within us, instill within us a steadfast spirit. That, Lord, that you will not cast your spirit away from us. And God, not like Saul getting lost in his pride and later filled with jealousy and with anger. But, Lord, may we humble ourselves today and humble our hearts to you when we can and like David seek after you to be men and women of God who will seek the heart of God Lord may we know your heart oh Lord Lord may our hearts break for what breaks your heart Lord may we stand strong today for God, you will come and you will rescue us. Even when we are hard-pressed and pressured on all sides, when the enemy is strong, when the opposition and the attacks are strong, may we not crush, be crushed under the pressure. But Lord, may we remain strong and steadfast and wait on the Lord. Wait for you to come to rescue us to bring us out of the merry pits that we're in, O oh Lord. May we humble ourselves today and look to you. This is not an emotional moment. This is not a touchy-feely moment. But Lord, this is an encounter moment where God, we make that choice to follow you wholeheartedly, O oh God. May we not, may we not be swayed by the opinions and the pressure of others even when people around us are leaving us and even if I'm the only one standing even I'm the only one in my family standing in my faith Lord may I not be discouraged may we remain strong and steadfast may we lift up our eyes to you for God we will rise for God you will come and you will come to our rescue in your punctual and your perfect timing so God we surrender our hearts to you Lord may your name be glorified in the service may it not be swayed by feelings and emotions by what I feel but by the truth of the gospel the truth and the message of the gospel Lord we thank you we love you pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for just gathering us here. Let's just listen to this message today. As we've learned today, Lord, I just ask that we just may not follow like Saul and be led by pride or by emotions. I just ask that we may seek humility and to just always rely on you and seek confidence, Lord. Father, I ask that we may just look towards you at every point in our lives and to just always remember this message and to not be led by pride. 
please accept this offering that we have prepared for you, Father. Uh, thank you for just keeping us safe over this week, and I pray that you just keep us safe during um, this next week, Father. Thank you in our praise, Jesus' name. Amen.